You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Team, how you guys like the new setup this morning? We moved it up because we knew we had a big all L.A. congregational single service. We thought it'd be a little light. We thought, let's tighten it up and create a little energy. Uh, when we first, Karen and I first came to the West Side, this is how we met every Sunday. And uh, we've grown more, so we kind of expanded onto the middle of the auditorium. And we'll probably move back because we do keep getting a lot of new people. So, But I uh, hope you enjoy the setup today. And thank you so much for the worship team. And didn't Lance do an awesome job? Appreciate you, Lance, and just love your UCLA commitment and looking forward to having you here for a couple more years serving. Today is the last of our lesson uh, about Run the Race. The title today is In It to Win It. And I think that this has been a tremendous series to springboard us into our focus on Jesus for the whole year. We'll be talking more about that. As I thought about running the race and today's lesson, I began to think about what is really worth our best time and attention. What is worth it? Have you ever had something that you wanted to obtain or attain and you put a lot of work in or a lot of money, put a lot of energy into it? And then when you attained that goal or you obtained that object or location you wanted to move to or whatever it might have been. Things didn't work out like you hoped. Wasn't worth it. I remember after I'd moved to California way back in 1985, I was going home to see some of my friends on the East Coast. And they were all kind of jealous of me because I was coming from Pennsylvania to L.A. And I was on the Inland Empire part of L.A. But it was L.A. as far as they knew. And I was going home after having moved there and I was going to visit them. And I thought I better get a tan because they, I live in L.A. And so I went to the beach thinking I'll get a really good tan. They'll all know that I've been living in L.A. and life is great out there. And I was out on that beach tanning and I thought I'm really just going to stay still so that the sun just tans me perfect. And I got really tanned with this very you know light skin that got darker and darker and darker and redder and redder and redder. And the next day I flew out and my face was leaking you know, moisture and the sunburn had begun to bubble up. And my plan to look really tan didn't work out for me. I have a lot of stories of things like that. Here's another one for you. Um, actually, let's go back. Um, oh, you don't have the, the new slide. Okay, let me tell this story. Okay, I have a picture. It didn't make it into the slide, so that's why that happened. I have the slide of this motorcycle that I bought on the way home from work one day in my early 20s. I drove by this big, white, beautiful-looking sport bike. It was a VFR 700 Honda sport bike. Now, I didn't have a motorcycle license. I was driving my... 280ZX sports car home, driving down the beach on my way to Manhattan Beach. And I saw this motorcycle and I thought, if I had that motorcycle, I would be so cool. And I could go really fast. So I pulled my car over. I took out my business card. And I, at the time I was working, I just started working as a stockbroker. This is my before following Jesus days. And I put my business card on 
the motorcycle and the guy called me within like an hour and I didn't live far away. So I drove over there and I negotiated and I bought that that same day. I bought that motorcycle. I think I paid forty two hundred bucks and I didn't have forty two hundred bucks in my bank account at that time. But I looked really cool driving that around. I had to get trained on how to drive it. After a couple months, I realized I might die on this if I'm not careful. And my bank accounts were really low at this point. I was moving money around trying to figure things out. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good idea. I ended up selling the motorcycle, taking a pretty big loss on the purchase price. But I didn't die. I survived. Thank you. But it really wasn't worth it. I didn't feel any cooler than I already thought of myself at that time just because I had a fast motorcycle. There were a lot of other people that had the same thing. Many times what we think is worth it is just simply not worth it. I think about all of us go through that. Do you remember Tom Brady when he won his first three Super Bowls and he went on 60 minutes and he said, I just won three Super Bowls. I'm the MVP and there's got to be more to life. That's what he said. You can go back and watch it on YouTube. I feel like something's missing. Well, what did he end up doing? He won four more Super Bowls. So now he has seven Super Bowl rings. He's clearly the goat of quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. But I guarantee you, a part of him is wondering, is there still something else in life? And the main thing I want you to know today is this. The race of faith is worth it. The race of faith. We're running this race of faith. We're thinking about spiritual things and it is worth it. We are reaching for an eternal crown. We are racing against the darknesses of our society. We're reaching into the lives of other people because it is worth it. Jesus knew it was worth it. And deep in our souls... We know there has to be something more than the attainment of the world's accomplishments. We know there is. We've been studying Hebrews chapter 12. And yes, last week, CJ preached a great lesson about the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, following the pace setter. And our theme verse has been Hebrews 12. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, the Hebrew writer knew that people were drifting. In that day, they were drifting because they'd been fighting the good fight and running the race. They had followed Jesus, but a lot of their family members and friends were now Pushing back on some of their teachings. They weren't, Jesus hadn't returned yet. In that time frame, many of the early Christians really believed Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. He hadn't come back yet. Society, the Roman Empire was collapsing in on them. The darkness, the immorality, the, the value system that they were living by was not appreciated, approved, or encouraged by their culture. Does that sound a little bit like our culture? And so the Hebrew writer wrote this book to get their thoughts back on Jesus. Chapter one, all the way through it, get their thoughts on lives of faith because the race of faith 
is worth it. And Jesus knew it was worth it. It says here, for the joy set before him. What do you think that means? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We'll be taking the communion at the end of today's lesson. And and Jesus endured that cross. Why? For the joy set before him. He knew that the race was worth it. What kind of joy? Well, it says that he was going to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's going to have glory. And he'd come from God. And I believe deeply that he knew the joy was obeying God, following through with the eternal plan of God. It felt good to obey God. You know, when we obey God, we are joyful. It's a principle. When we're doing the right thing, we feel good. I remember after I became a follower of Jesus, my first Christmas, I got baptized in October of 1990, my first Christmas, I remember how joyful it felt going to a gathering of some of my old college friends just to check up on them, visit them, and not be under the influence of an illicit drug. Like, had stopped that lifestyle. I remember just how good it felt. I'm so happy to not be inebriated, to not be pursuing unholy type of relationships and circumstances and just feeling forgiven. Like I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm doing what's right today. I was far from a perfect man. The Holy Spirit had a long way to go with me. But we do find joy when we obey God. We find a happiness when we follow his plan. It says in Psalm 40 verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O God. Jesus was happy to go to the cross because it was part of the, the ultimate plan for God to redeem and save humanity. He wanted to please his father. He wanted to honor his father. He also was thinking of you. He was thinking of the future redemption and change and freedom for all of us sitting here today. His joy that was before him was the world can be changed. It is worth it to go through this. The race of faith is worth it because it changes people's lives. He knew that. And it's worth it for you because you get to enter into this same joyful mission. You get to enter into the same eternal purpose that Jesus had. The Apostle Paul understood this. And I like how to the Thessalonians he wrote this. He said, what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Why? He knew We don't want to live a life alone. We want to have an eternal significance. As a follower of Jesus, and I know all the parents can definitely vouch for this, there's just nothing we want more than our family to be happy in their walk with God. We don't care about their career. We don't really care about how all the other things in their life are going, how much money they got. We trust and know if they're walking with God, 
if they're in Christ, if they love him, if they have found that that worth, if they've understood that the race of faith is worth everything, it's valuable, then we're happy. Paul felt the same way, right? He said, you are our crown. You are our glory. We are each other's crown and glory. The race of faith is worth it. It is worth it. God is worth it. Others are worth it. And you are worth it. And that's why we've entered into this great race. You're on a journey, a spiritual journey. But you need to understand how worth it it is. And Jesus saw it clearly. It changes all things. Now, the Apostle Paul, as he was considering this, he as well used many metaphors talking about the idea of a race. And he went to the city of Corinth where they had these incredible athletic competitions. Not the Olympics, just outside of Corinth in Greece, they held these games, these biannual games that were similar to the Olympics. And people would come there from all over the world. And they would race and they would box and they would fight and they would have all kinds of different types of competitions, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. And Paul had gone there because his race of faith was to change people's lives as well. And he said, I'll do all things, anything I can. I'll give it all I've got just to win a few. And so I want you to know this. The race of faith is worth it. But I want you to ask your question, are you in it to win it? You must be in it to win it. You don't want to be in a race unless you're all in. And we're going to read a passage where he talked about that in a minute. But I want to share a little story about this young woman who is a sister in Christ that used to come here to the west side. That's Sydney McLaughlin. A lot of us know her. She's our friend. Uh, a number of us have had a great friendship with her and helped her in her studies with the Bible. She is also the current world record holder in the women's 400 meter hurdles. And she owns that record by a large margin. She just cremated the old record. I remember watching her and she would come and I would talk and pray about it. I'm a track guy, so I was a fan and I was also grateful just to have her here for for a while in the congregation. I remember when she first broke the world record, it was actually when she got second place behind another runner named Dalila Muhammad, who broke the world record and then she owned it. But shortly after that, Sydney kept progressing and then she beat Dalila, won the Olympics, then later broke the world record four times in a row and lowered the record by almost 3% from the time she first broke it, which is extreme achievement in track records. She was all in. She gave it everything she had. She was in it to win it. And the Apostle Paul is calling us to have the same level of commitment to this race of faith. This same level of surrender to whatever it would take. And we read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one runner gets the prize. 
So run like that. Run to win. All who compete in the games use strict training. They do this so that they can win a prize. One that doesn't last. But our prize is one that will last forever. Paul had gone to this city. It was a big metropolitan city in Greece. In between a lot of the the travel and and, uh, merchant routes. And he had built the city. And God had appeared to him and told him in a dream, don't leave the city. I have many people here. And so he began to teach and preach. And he said, I want to win as many as I can. He was fighting for their souls. And he saw, and many people think he actually maybe was a spectator at some of these games that he witnessed. Interestingly, during these games that took place, it wasn't just running. It was boxing was a big one. Uh, uh, something that was a precursor to the UFC, Pancrase, where it's like, you know, one man against another man. You can wrestle. You can do whatever you can to take him down. Very interesting. They also had, guess what? Singing competition. Singing competition. Suetonius, the historian, says they had singing competition. And there's some write-ups about uh, Emperor Nero even going there and rigging the whole competition and making everybody stay and listen to him sing for like two hours. And then all the judges had to vote for him. So he broke the rules. There's another passage where Paul references, hey, if you compete in the games, you've got to follow the rules. But Nero didn't do that. We got to run to win the race. We got to run to win. In these games, they didn't have first, second, and third place where you get these awesome medals. Like even, like even if you got a third place Olympic medal, I mean, I would be like, that's awesome. If I saw that, but I don't have any other than Sydney. I don't know anyone else who has one of those. Like it'd be really cool. Even a bronze, right? But in their day, it was, it was win or nothing. That was it. And if you won in that day, guess what you received? You received a crown of leaves. That's what you got. And I think sometimes they'd give you a little money, even in that day. So that was good. They probably gave them a little motivation. Ultimately, they'd get this crown. Uh, 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 laurels. It was called a leaf, leaf laurels. A crown of laurels. That's where the, the terminology, you know, you have a crown of laurels on your head. That's the idea. It was a crown. It was like a, a crown. And guess what would happen to a crown made of leaves after about a week? It would dry up, shrivel, shrivel up, and it, it would not be there for very long. And they would run this race. For something that wouldn't last. But God has called us to be all in to something that's really valuable. How do you think Sydney was able to break? I mean, she's naturally gifted, but there were a lot of factors that went into her success. And I want you to apply that to your spiritual journey. It's worth it. But are you in it to win it? The race of faith is so worth it. Eternity. You being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. All your family and friends and those you love and new people you haven't met yet. Joining you in eternity and in, in an incredible experience that none of us can quite fathom. But we know it's going to be awesome. It's worth it. But are you willing to pay the price? Run to win. I was thinking about it. I know Sydney has to train a lot. I saw her sometimes out at UCLA training 
She trained a lot. She also needed a coach. I know she changed coaches a couple times. She had a Curly has a famous coach, Bob Kersey, who's helped so many incredible athletes. She had partners running with her, but then she had sort of her spiritual. I wouldn't I wasn't I wouldn't call it her like training partner. Delilah wasn't her training partner, although she had people running with her. She certainly was her partner to call her higher. If you're going to run the spiritual race, you're going to need people in your life to call you higher. That's why I'm so grateful that we, we work together as a fellowship, one another, calling each other. I'm so grateful for CJ and Cherie, you know, coming here and just being partners with Carrie and I and just calling each other higher, calling each other to be more of what God wants us to be. I love having a shepherd of the flock like Mark and, and, and his wife, uh, Catherine. I'm so grateful that they call us higher. And all of us have people in our lives. You need to let them into your life to call you higher. Some of us, maybe in our younger days, we need, a, we need a coach. You need a real trainer. You need somebody to be like, here's what you need to do. Some of us need that specifically in certain areas of our life. If we're going to run to win. And it is worth it. It is worth it. As Paul goes on in the text, he says, so I run like someone who has a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something. Not just the air. It is my own body I fight to make it do what I want. I do this so that I won't miss getting the prize myself after telling others about it. I run like someone who has a goal. It means you're doing something each day. You might think it's unattainable. Some of you today might feel like it's unattainable to actually be deeply spiritual. Or you might feel like, man, if you only knew my life, there's no way I can be that way. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. Great accomplishments occur step by step. You got to take tangible steps toward your goals. You need a spiritual goal, right? You need a goal to become what you want to become. You have to take things seriously if you want to win in your relationships. You better get some input. We are usually not our best guide about relationships because relationships are very complex. They're nuanced. Each human being is an infinite creation of God. And as we interact, especially in the area of romance, you need some input. Let me tell you, we all need it. Husbands and wives, it's not good if you just function by yourself. You need trusted friends to dialogue with. I like that with Carrie and I, we've always had the kind of marriage where we'll invite other married couples to ask me about how I'm doing, how she's doing. We, she knows I can call a number of you right in here and say, yeah, we're having trouble. Here's what's going on. And she's not afraid. She knows that there's trust between us and that I want people in my life and she wants people in her life. You have to make decisions to ha- make that happen. Parenting. We all need a lot of help in parenting. Parents, I commend you. Great job. But we can't do it alone. Right. We need each other. It's been said many, many times. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a spiritual village to help us navigate those things. And you're going to have to ask people to be in your life. If you've got a besetting sin, I know CJ talked about this in the first lesson, really about throwing off the weight. 
you, you really do need a, a plan to overcome that. I love that we have a lot of different types of recovery groups, purity issues. If you have that as a problem in America, which is an issue for so many, you're not alone. But you have to make a plan to have somebody to call, scriptures to read, a group to attend. you got to make a decision to grow in these areas. we got to run the race as though it's going to be one with all our hearts. That's the secret. It's worth it, but it takes all yours. So evaluate today, where are you at? We had an incredible spiritual renewal workshop online yesterday. How many of us got to be a part of that online? It was awesome. And I know they're going to make a lot of the video recordings available. Maybe a lot of you hate the online thing. And I I get it. I'll be honest with you. I wish it was in person. I love connecting with people. You know, I want to I want to see and and experience the energy. But the content was incredible. Steve Kennard sharing about how Jesus is the answer. Jesus is what it's all about. I love that because we're going to be talking about it all year. There's so much great material there for you to pick up on to grow spiritually. For me, the thing I'm wanting to do is make steps in my rhythm of life. And I talked about this before. I want to have a rhythm of life that helps me grow spiritually, helps me overcome weaknesses, but also is something that can be sustainable. And so my life doesn't feel scattered or up and down or you can kind of feel pulled every direction in L.A. A lot of us feel that we feel like, ah, I got to get my life into a healthy rhythm. So slowing down. And so there's four areas for me. There's prayer. I know CJ talked about he's not going to eat until he prays. I'm going to prayer walk. I'm going to pray every day. I might eat. I didn't commit to that yet. I might go sometime with him and like, I won't. I'll pray with you and I won't either. But I will be praying every day. I like to do these little simple quiet times in the Bible. Um, where I get them either from a praxis, a, a guide, or there's a book uh, called the Book of Common Prayer, which is a daily quiet time that you could look it up. It's free. People all over the world do this prayer thing, the common prayer book. But I like to have a little rhythm. For me, I like to have a rhythm because that's not my normal. I have all kinds of ideas. I'm going every which way. And I need something to hold me focused on one specific thing. And then I love deep Bible studies, the depth of the scriptures, which I do uh, extra time. But for me, that's a commitment. But number two, it's attentiveness. Slowing down enough to pay attention to, to people. Slowing down enough to listen to my wife. And I made a commitment to her that I wouldn't just start going on, say we're driving home from an event. I promised her I would not just open my mouth, I'm an extrovert, so you always know what I'm thinking, and just start laying out all the thoughts and ideas I have and problem and concern and situation in everybody's life that I know what's happening and dreams I have for how we're going to solve them and what are we going to do about this. I'm the great suggester. I'm always suggesting all kinds of things. And she's like, she's like the great, I'm going to do it. So if I'm suggesting a hundred things, she's like, are we going to do all these things? No, I'm just suggesting it's a good idea for us to think about. She's like, can we not do that anymore? I'm like, okay, I'm going to not going to be the great suggester to you, except when we schedule the time to do that. CJ, the same way. Okay, CJ, I do need to offload my thoughts, but we'll schedule it so I don't overwhelm you with all my thoughts. Being a listener, right? Attentiveness, listening to God, listening to my wife, listening to people and slowing down enough. I'm going to work on that. And I have been working on it. I'm reading. It's it's part of my growth process. Simplicity. 
I'm like, I got to get rid of like one, at least one thing a week, probably one thing a day, either something out of my house or some subscription that I've signed up for along the way. Simplicity leads to less responsibility, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're not effective. It's better. You're more effective when things are simple. And then hospitality. That one's easy. I love, I love coming early to church. I'm always one of the earliest and I'm always one of the latest. I would do that whether I was a minister or not. I just like people and it's enjoyable for me. So, but I want to continue to have people in the home. And my wife's incredible at this as well. So it's easy, but we're going to continue that way. What about for you? The race of faith is worth it. But are you in it to win it? At this time, what I want to do is I want to ask you to have a little discussion. Before we take the elements, remembering what Jesus did for us, I want you to have a discussion. I want you to have just a couple minutes with the people right, right next to you, to your left, your right, or right in front of you or behind you, whatever's easy, and answer these questions before we take communion. Has the race of faith felt worth it to you lately? Can you forward that slide? Has the race of faith felt worth it to you lately? Why or why not? What do you need to change to be in it to win it? Okay, let's have a couple minute discussion. Then we'll take communion and we'll close out the service. Okay, I know that we could talk a long time about this material, which is fantastic. I want to urge you to um, maybe continue the conversation after service. The race of faith is worth it, but God's calling us to be all in, right? This is something he wants us all in. What's it mean for you? Maybe for you, it's a new thing. And you just need somebody to help you learn the Bible. So you got to set up some time. You got to make concrete goals, something, set it up. Uh, for others, it's I need somebody in my life or I make progress. You got to decide for yourself. But the motivation is always the cross. The motivation is always Jesus endured that cross, was resurrected to glory, for the joy set before him was you, was the Father, was his presence with the Father. Let's remember him at this time as we pray for the elements. Father, thank you so much for Jesus giving his body, living a life of victory. Even victory through total surrender as he gave his life and shed his blood. Thank you for his blood shed that provides opportunity for a new life, purification of sin. Uh, gives us an opportunity each day to run the race anew. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to see how valuable uh, our future can be in faith. And Father, thank you. Help us to give it all up for him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.